Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in to Living the Sky Life, fresh off of the Thanksgiving holiday. My guest today is going to be kicking off my sibling series. I've got quite a few guests coming up um, in the next several weeks for the sibling series, but I thought the best person to kick this off would be Kylie Bennett. Kylie and her husband, Ray, live in rural West Central Minnesota, close to Hutchinson, Minnesota. Together, they are the parents of their 12-year-old son, Griffin, and five-year-old identical twin girls, Greta and Ganessa. Kylie's younger brother, Dwayne, who is 33 years old now, is on the autism spectrum. So her perspective and understanding as an autism sibling came in handy when her twin girls were both diagnosed with autism at the age of three. So Kylie and I talk a little bit about her brother, actually a lot about her brother, and then we also talk about her young daughters being on the spectrum. And again, as I said, her perspective, having been the older sister of someone on the spectrum that's at one end of the spectrum and then raising little girls that are a little bit more profound in their needs has been a really eye-opening situation for Kylie. So we unpack all of that. So please enjoy my conversation with Kylie Bennett. This episode is brought to you by Mia Via Toys, a brand dedicated to creating toys and learning aids for kids with autism and other developmental challenges. My son Skylar has almost every toy from Mia Via, and a few of our favorites are definitely the sensory-weighted plush octopus named Quigley and the plush elephant named Ellie. Heck, my daughter even took the mini Quigley to college. One of the coolest new offerings is the Line and Learn Cars set, which includes 20 cars and a fold-up parking lot. To check out all the incredible products, visit Mia Via Toys, that's M-E-A-V-I-A-T-O-Y-S dot com, and use promo code SKYLIFE15 to receive 15% off your first order. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I have the pleasure of having Kylie Bennett on with me today. Kylie and I connected, and I was very interested in her background and her story. Um, Kylie is the sibling to an autistic brother and also has two twin girls on the spectrum herself. So there's a lot to unpack and I'm anxious to talk to you about all the things. So welcome to the podcast, Kylie. Thank you, Laurie. Um, so I guess, you know, in getting started, your experience, I say is unique, but maybe there are a lot of people out there who um, have a family member on the spectrum and then end up a parent to uh, a child or children on the spectrum too. Um, that's a whole other theory that I have about genetics and all of that stuff. But I know. Um, I just kind of wondered if you um if you can explain a little bit about your relationship with your brother and growing up. I know from what you've said, he's on the higher end, if we are allowed to even yep. say that anymore, of the yeah. spectrum. But I'm sure there were a lot of things between the two of you since you're two years apart. Um, into childhood and then into adulthood about your relationship. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Dwayne and your relationship with him? Yeah. So like when he was younger, they didn't even really call it that much autism back then. And like, even growing up, like they would have probably labeled him Asperger's back then. Mm-hmm. Um, his is definitely more on the social realm. He struggled in school. He had an IEP. Um but, uh, you know, when I was like in my younger years, 
I don't remember like him being really that different. It wasn't until like I was probably in like more high school age because we were only two years apart. We live in a really rural setting. And so like um, we were in the same, you know, school and everything and everybody kind of knew each other. So that's when I started to more notice like that, you know, people were starting to kind of make fun of him or they would be like, oh, what's wrong with him? Or is that your brother? You know, because he was pretty outgoing and he'd always be like, hi, Kylie. <laughs> and if he seen me in the hallway and stuff and I would kind of be like, hi. But it was just kind of like awkward sometimes, you know, as you're getting into those teen years yourself and being neurotypical myself, it was kind of like, oh, I don't want people to make fun of me. Um, but it, yeah, that's when I think I more noticed that, you know, I probably always knew something was more different, but it wasn't as noticeable then. And it was just always like, oh, Dwayne's Dwayne, you know, um, you never really thought of it at all. So that is when I more noticed it mm -hmm. when I was younger and, um, so, well, being yeah. that it was a rural like school, was he the only person in the school that um, had a disability of some kind or did he stick out more because there were very few people like him or? Right. So like, okay. yeah, it was more that he kind of more stuck out because he was more like that. And that because it wasn't as prevalent like it is now and more as well known, I think he stuck out more like oh you know and maybe because he wasn't more on the profound side where and especially with autism not being like a seen disability you know right. that it's like oh why is he weird you know and <laughs> yeah. stuff that a lot of people see and um I think sometimes people in rural areas um just don't know what they don't know especially back then so it was kind of like well why is he different you know and why so it was hard I think, yeah, in those teen years for me to like understand like how other people were going to judge me with having a brother with autism. Mm -hmm. um, but as I got older, I, you know, more took on like, oh, I was more a protector of him. Right. I mean, I got told when I was younger, I kind of, you know, protected him and watched, you know, over him. But as I got older and like, out of school I definitely was more like I protected him and because he was so vulnerable socially that I definitely took over a social or a protector role on him you you had mentioned to me um when we were talking that he had a significant amount of bullying <clears throat> was that just in school or was that like as he graduated and was in the community mm -hmm. that people were yeah. still god that's so, horrible like, so tell me yeah. about that so, and yeah he definitely got bullied I mean there was one incident in high school where it was in a locker room and kids were picking on him and because he's like you know isn't you know definitely with autism even being high functioning he's you know more clumsy with his body and then he fell he busted out his two front teeth oh no um, because they were messing around all these boys in the locker room and um knowing him he just wants to like have friends and he yeah. thinks people are just like wanting to be his friend so he's of course defending them and like, they were just playing, they're my friends. And it was like, no. And there was no repercussions for these boys that, you know, but, and he had to have major mouth surgery because these were adult teeth on him and stuff. And um, yeah, so that was a bummer, you know, that people are, you know, taking advantage of him and that they think he just wants to have friends pretty much. And um, he actually was able to go on and he took a two-year um, community um, course through a community college. He has an AutoCAD degree in drafting. Wow. Um, yes. So, and he loves what he do, does. He's like very dedicated to it. <laughs> um, so he um, was at his employer and this employer, the coworkers were 
I like to say very rude. And they actually threw down batteries all over the floor purposely to make him trip. And he did trip. And luckily, he didn't get seriously hurt, but he did get hurt. And I mean, these were people in their like 30s, 40s, 50s. And they were just like, yeah, and I just, you know, and um, didn't find out about this till later, you know, and stuff. And they, you know, did other things. And I understand the point, like I work, you know, in that I know, like, office jokes and stuff yeah, but and that's pranks, not but funny no and this is beyond it so that's where it was like and if you spend any time with my brother you know that he is neurodiverse you know that it's not like a question at all and so that they were doing it just to be rude mean and to try to hurt him too so that was just a gut wrench to me and the fact that He's like, oh, you know, they're my friends at work. Still, and as an adult, he still takes yes. that stance that he doesn't recognize. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. And it's just such a bummer. And I mean, he also, like, um, it, he is very set in his routines, like most autistics. And uh, he um, goes to Applebee's to eat every day. Eats the same thing, sits in the same place. Oh, I bet they love day. him there. <laughs> they probably yeah. look for him. Well, but... The thing is that um, mo- some of these restaurants, you know, that they like sell stuff for like charities and stuff. So um, Applebee's was putting on like a fundraiser, like if they sold so many of these, I think it was like in uh, uh, St. Patty's Day and they sold these uh, um, leprechaun things that the uh, waiters or whatever, they got like a kickback for selling them. Well, come to find out that they were selling them to my brother and they weaseled out of him over like $1,500. Oh my gosh. My heart is broken from high school. Not, I mean, just. Yeah. And so, and luckily I found out about it from a family friend that worked there and she told the workers like, Hey, he has autism. He doesn't know and stuff. And they still. He was a target. Oh my gosh. Yes. They're like, nope. And so then when I found out, I actually went there, I talked to the manager and I was like, how can you do this to somebody that has autism? And, you know, this isn't right. And she said, she outright said to me, who his, um, who's like his guardian, that if he doesn't have no guardian, there's no reason why we can't do this to him. And I was just, and still my brother, he was like, why did you go in and talk to them? Those are, you know, my friends and stuff and they like me. And so he still just wants somebody to, you know, and it was just, it's like, I get like frustrated with him because I'm like, no, these people are not your friends. They're, you know, just out to get your money, you know, and stuff. And he just sees it as like, they're giving him attention. I'm like, no, they weren't, you know, he, that's where he definitely has been taken advantage of like that monetarily, or just even just people giving him any attention he just sees that as like wow you know that's somebody besides family he sees that as something that he's gonna gain a friendship out of that so does he not really have any friends like true friends I mean he does have like one or two but it's hard to know like what their true friends because like he I know he has one friend that um I feel like they're still kind of taking advantage of him where it's a one-sided relationship. They always want something out of him to like, come help him do this, come help him do that. And I'm like, well, and I mean, he found a church, but it's a, I don't want to like paint on any religion, but it's a Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he understands really that type of religion. And it's a very small church of only like five people. Oh, but he got... Yeah, it's in like a small little like house in a basement, but he's very, you know, dedicated to it. And uh, so, I mean, he finds, me and my dad like to say, like, he finds like, the I don't want to say the weirdest, but the most interesting, like, people to attach to. Well, and he has such a big heart. I mean, yeah, sounds like, as most of our, our kids do, they just don't know no like bad intentions on people they don't understand it they don't see it they think the good in everyone which 
you know, just hearing these stories, there's so much part of being a parent as, as I know your kids are very small, but being a sibling too, you, you understand this. It's like as badly as we want independence for our kids. Now, my son's never going to have that because there's just so many other, he's more profound. So obviously he won't be living alone, but as much as we like constantly are saying, I want my child to be independent. I want him to be able to, or her to be able to go to college or to do these things. But the, the problem is it's not them being independent. It's that the world just doesn't seem to embrace and, and protect kids like ours and, and people like your brother, because I just, I'm so worried of all of the people who are going to be taken advantage of financially, you know, just emotionally, they think that these people love them and are friends with them. And it's just, it's heart wrenching to hear stories like this. Does he still work at the same employer? He now recently has been like kind of job hopping because now he recently thinks like, certain jobs are like, no, they're not the right one. And he um, thinks people like headhunt for them when he goes on to like um, job sites, like say like an Indeed and say like uh, a recruiting place calls him and he thinks that that means that they want him and they've headhunted him out. And it's like, no, that's not what it means. You know, he doesn't quite understand that whole part. And especially now with this job market, it's like, everybody's begging for work so he assumes that that means that you know they really want me they're they've you know they're calling me up they say they looked at my resume and they want me when can I start so now he's job uh hopped for like the two jobs here and then he's moved farther away which really scares me because he lived with my dad for up until he was in his mid 20s and then he moved out um, and he only moved 30 minutes away. And so that was great. Um, so he was close and I could like, check. we could all check up on him and make sure everything was okay. And he lived in an apartment. And like my dad said, he's like, cause I was really adamant. I'm like, no, he can't move out. He's not gonna like, I'm too scared. And my dad was like, Kylie, I need to make sure that when I die, he's going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that and that if he's not, then, you know, he's going to come back, you know, and stuff. And, uh, but now he's moved, like, it's like over two hours away. And he's hopefully going to move closer with this new job that he took on and stuff. But yeah, he just, he really gets set in his ways. And when he's going to make a decision, he's going to make it. There's no changing him. <laughs> There's still autistic, you know, traits that it's hard to, you know, that deal with sometimes and you have to work through and yeah. Well, I wondered if, um, because something that's, that's coming up in my sibling series, um, that will be launched after our, um, our, uh, episode and conversation. Um, most of the people that I talk to, the kids that I talk to are young, young adults right. or teenagers, and my daughter being 18, we've had a few discussions, but that's the biggest question that I get asked is when to talk to my daughter about the future. Obviously, my husband and I are not going to live forever. I am doing everything I can possibly do to prepare for Skylar's future, having a trust for him. Um, you know, we're trying to get him in adult programming. I'm looking into host homes or group homes, not now, but like to get him on the list that are five years long, just to try to have him in a place that he's happy with, that he's safe. And then my daughter hopefully can just check in on him, manage his trust when we're not here. I just don't want her to feel like she's going to have to move him into her house with her family, her young kids, whatever the scenario is because it's not her responsibility, but I also don't want, since she's the only sibling, her brother to just be kind of high and dry left in some place and nobody visits him. Cause that's like the most traumatic thing for everybody. So did you have that discussion with your parents or is it something just later in life? Now that you have a family of your own and being his sibling that you're like, listen, I'll, if he struggles on his own independently and he gets more taken advantage of, you could try to encourage him to live with you or to be closer to you how do you I mean no that you know like because I had I know I talked to my dad and I was like you know that I had said that 
I had asked my brother like to look at his finances because I was worried like does he have enough money to make it and pay his bills because I'm just like you know we don't know what we don't know and if he's not you know maybe and especially when he was doing this job hunting I was like maybe I do need to look in on you know possibly being like guardian on or getting on some of this stuff just in case um but you know everything was looking good and but I said you know there may come a point where I need to kind of step in a little bit more and stuff. But um, I think my parents are more that, you know, he seems to be doing good by himself and able to manage well enough since he is, you know, that he'll kind of, you know, fall on something socially, but he's able to manage okay enough. Um, And I've always said, you know, that, I'm willing that he can come live with me anytime, you know, it can be frustrating, like any autistic that, you know, I get frustrated with him sometimes and I'm like, "Mm." but, you know, that is just what I would want if he is struggling um, with anything to know that he can come back with me. I know my dad has always said, you know, that, well, he better know that he can come back anytime, you know, with me too and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's always just an open door to know. Um, I don't know if he would ever want to. So it might, I don't know how that conversation would go. Um, because he is, he very much likes his independence. Like when he comes to like gatherings, he definitely, he now starts to stay a little bit longer, but he likes to go back to his place. He likes his alone time you know, and he's set in his schedule. So I don't know how he would do anymore with living with anybody else. Um, Cause he doesn't even like people coming to his apartment. Really? <laughs> no. Messing with no. his stuff, like moving things yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. He just like, nope, you're not allowed to come to my apartment. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, he sounds amazing, but um, well, I want to transition a little bit to, um, you're the mother of five-year-old twin girls, which is yes. just awesome. <laughs> My dad's a triplet. So I kind of always worried that when I got <laughs> pregnant, that I would end up with three all, all of a sudden. So, but I always wanted multiples. It just didn't work out. Um, so you told me that they were diagnosed on the spectrum, both of them at around mm-hmm. age three. Um, yeah. Are they differing? levels of the spectrum are they very similar in um the ways in which their autism presents or um and, and did you kind of recognize anything with them yeah so on? um they are they are identical so they are pretty much identical in their needs and um okay. they are more um I wouldn't say they're necessarily profound but they're definitely more higher level um autistic um they for one, they were premature too. Also, I had a high risk pregnancy with them. So they were premature born at 34 weeks, they had NICU stay. Um, and they weren't meeting any of their um, needs or milestones right from the beginning. Um, so even um, they always say like, after two years old, if you're not meeting any of them when you're preemie, that's when you need to kind of worry. Well, um, they weren't meeting it. They weren't talking. They weren't walking. None of those things. Um, so I had already reached out to, um, in Minnesota, it's called the Help Me Grow program. It's um, partnered with the school district and mm-hmm. with your county. Um, had them come out and they were starting to work with my girls doing PT, OT, and speech, yep. in-home therapies. Um, and right about then is when the pandemic hit. So then we just, yeah, um, got like sidetracked by that. Um, but I was starting to feel that like, I think there might be something more going on because I didn't think it was just prematurity. And they were saying, you know, doctors were saying like, you know, right now it's just saying like global developmental delay since mm-hmm. they were, you know, meet, not meeting all milestones and just everything was delayed. But nobody wanted to say because they were premature, it was like, it was hard to decipher, is it just the prematurity or could it be something else? 
And then with the pandemic hitting, nobody, you know, we couldn't get in to see anybody. And even the services that were coming out to our house were starting to be delayed. Um, so then I was reaching out to like everybody and anybody like, we need more help. I know that they do. Um, so I reached out to county. I was getting on waiting lists in um, the Twin Cities in Minnesota about, you know, getting diagnosed possibly. Um, but the one funny thing is that in our small little town of 500, um, our elementary school had closed down many years ago and a uh, level four, a uh, fed four school had taken place of it. And within that fed four, um, an ABA center had opened up inside of it too. So I, um, like nobody knew about it. It was kind of like opened up around like pandemic time. And so like I was calling and I'm like, hey, can I, you know, know about this? And everybody's like, we don't know what you're talking about. They no, there's not such a like I was talking to the Help Me Grow program and I'm like, yeah, there you guys should know about it. You're part of like yes. this and stuff. And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't know what you're and I'm like, you guys are like employed by like the same thing. And they're like, nope, nope, nope. So I finally got a hold of them and I'm like, they're like, yep, we can put you on the waiting list because they can actually diagnose for autism there um, through that ABA center. And we got on the waiting list and they got diagnosed. And that's when they got diagnosed at three years old. And since, and then I was able to get them on the waiting list too for the center. Um, and we waited, oh, I want to say it was almost not quite six months. And I mean, I was one of those mamas that I was like calling all the time, I feel like, and being Heck like, yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, they're struggling, you know, and we live out in a rural area. I mean, the closest town, all the towns around me that are even within a 20 mile distance, 20 miles are 500 people. The next closest town with a grocery store is at least 30 miles away. And that's a town of 50 or 15,000. So, I mean, we are talking very rural. And uh, I knew that, you know, if we could get into this place, it would just be magical. Yeah. Um, so, cause they were at daycare and they were struggling. Bless my daycare lady. She was an RN who um, opened up a daycare and she would just be like, yeah, they had a tough day, but she, and I'm like, just call me, I'll come get up. No, I'll just keep them and stuff. And I was just like, I mean, but they were just struggling. We got into the ABA center then luckily, and they've been there ever since. And I have just seen such strides in their development there. I mean, that's great. And the fact that they're only five miles away from me. I mean, that was divine intervention right there. <laughs> it was, it was. Are they stronger physically and um, like with their verbalization and cognition, all those things, or is it, you know, yep, like so one thing comes usually at a time. Yep. So, um, and then, um, about that time that I had got on waiting list, we started then private therapy, PT, OT and speech, because I had, um, requested for uh, waiver services because okay. I didn't know about any of these things really, because like my brother wasn't on any of these types of things at all. So, um, yeah, so that was nice that I got um, those types of services and getting my girls on um, Medicaid also because at first I was paying for private therapy all out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And I like to say like we were hemorrhaging money. It was like, but I was like, I'm willing to do anything that it takes, you know. But then when we got in, you know, Medicaid for my girls, it was like we could breathe a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was nice to start to see and just being able to understand them a little bit better and know what their wants were and not just, you know, the crying and frustration. And they are starting to now have a little bit of vocalization and we're okay. working with AAC devices um, with them, but just like their strength and um, yeah, they're able to walk now. They're, I mean right actually their names I mean Aww. I I mean I didn't even know if they'd ever walking I mean they weren't even walking at you know two and a half years old yet 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that was amazing. That's so great that you were able to get such, you know, early intervention stuff, especially ABA so early. Um, people can say what they want about ABA and, yeah. and and for some it works really well and others it just doesn't, right. it doesn't work. It's, it's right. Everyone does it a little differently, no matter where you live and what center you go to. But um, I think it's fantastic that they're making such big strides at five years old. And, and don't you think it's, it's, um it's interesting and it's, I am just so glad the one aspect of social media now that I wish I would have had when Skylar was five years old is just the number of pages and and parents with older kids telling you things. I mean, I would hope that you feel comfortable to reach out to any of the people that you follow and say, okay, I'm paying for all of this stuff out of pocket. Should I be, especially my Minnesota friends, like, should I be looking at, is there a waiver? Is there something I'm supposed to be doing? Because they don't tell you any of these things. No, It's frightening that the doctor's offices don't know or don't feel comfortable to say, Hey, this is the, here's the diagnosis, but this is the first thing you need to do. You need to call this number and get on this waiting list for this waiver. You need to sign up for Medicaid right away. Um, you need to do just a couple of basic things that would save you money and trouble and get you on the lists earlier. So hopefully you can find people on social media that are like, girl, if you haven't called these places, you need to call today, you know? Oh Yeah. I know that I even reached out to like our ABA center and I was like, you need to like help people that I wish I would have known all this stuff before I was even like when I was on the waiting list because they do like a service for people in like their family sessions. And I'm like, I could have used this when I was on the waiting list, all these services. I'm like, I remember calling the county and being like, where can my girls go? They can't go to daycare anymore where is there a place where my girls can go? And I said, I can't drive them all the way to the Twin Cities that is over two hours away where there are services. Where are their services? And I said, we are not on any sort of help. We make too much money. We're not rich though. I said, yeah, but we make too much thing. money. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I always say. I'm like, we're not rich. And they're like, well, so you're, you're if you find it, let us know, they say. And then they also said, well, so you're just looking for a handout that, and that's, and they I was said like, that? I, yeah. And I just felt so defeated and I, you know, hung up and it took me another, like probably two months before I was like, okay, there's gotta be something, you know? And that's when I found out about like the waiver and stuff like that. And like, no, there is stuff out there and they can help. Um, but I realized, yeah, that's when I started like following more too on like social media and stuff and looking more into stuff because I was like, no, there really is stuff out there. Mm. And people, like I say, they're not going to lay out the silver platter for you and just tell you, here's what is available to you and really what your children need, even though there is a need for it. No, they're not going to tell you, you have to dig or you have to get hearing it from other people and ask for it. And it's sad because our children don't deserve this at all. They did nothing to, you know, be in this predicament. That's not right. And we don't deserve it either. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who have told me that they have second mortgaged their homes. They have, because, you know, as a parent in general, you want to do anything and everything for your kids to make their lives easier and, and better. And um, I mean, I just remember when Skylar was that age, people were telling me about, and I write about this in my book too, but like Dan physicians and the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, like you're not doing that. Oh my God, you, you need to do that because he'll talk. My, my child talked within a month of doing that. So we bought, you know, we rented and then bought this stupid hyperbaric oxygen chamber. We did it for two years. Not a peep came out of my kid. I just feel we are so vulnerable, you know, oh, yeah. kind of like your brother, but we are, we are willing to do and pay oh, yeah. anything to help our kids not suffer and struggle. And people take such advantage of us because we're willing to do that. The other thing too is with the waivers, it's not just to get on the list for the waivers, but it took me a while to really dig and find out what the waiver actually is. Because the waiver we're on, there's another one that is we can't get on unless I'm 80, unless um, Skylar's parents are deceased and he doesn't have anyone to take care of him. The third criteria is that he needs 
like he has significant medical needs where he would need to go to the hospital weekly and like get transfusions or whatever. Those are the three criteria to allow him to be on the larger waiver, which covers everything. The waiver we get, it's, it's a 50 hours a month of respite. We have no respite providers. That would be me. (laughs) I am the respite provider, the paid respite provider. And, um, really other than that, it's like, if we can find music therapy, it'll cover that. But that only covers like maybe that number of hours gets switched to a different pay rate. And then, so that entitles him to maybe once a week um, for, you know, four times a month for music therapy, if we can find it or recreational therapy, or it's just the little peanuts of things that aren't valuable to him. So while I'm glad we're on the waiver, it really does nothing for us at this point. And I wouldn't have fought 10 years to get on it necessarily if if I could have done something else and put my time elsewhere. Anyway, all that to say, it's just, there's so much un, underlying information that is not relevant or pre- prevalent to us when we sign up for all these things <laughs> because oh, we don't I know. know what we're signing up for half the time. I don't. Oh man. Does, so <clears throat> does they have the waiver now, your girls? Yep. They both it, have the waiver. And what yep. does that cover for them? Does it cover all of their therapies and things? Um, so actually their Medicaid covers most of their therapies. Well, that's um, good. And the waiver mostly is so then like I can, um, if I do need some respite, which is usually like maybe um, my mom is retired. So she will help out sometimes with like, because my husband is gone, like, I would say 75% of the time he works construction. So he's gone. So I'm like, like, I like to say I'm like a single parent. Um, So um, with his construction season, yeah, he's gone. And so, um, and then I do work. So, I mean, and that's like unheard of too, with kids with special needs. I've found out too with, um, because when I say, well, I still work and they're like, oh, you know, I get You're that a unicorn. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and uh, I'm like, I still try to make it work, you know, and I got to pay like, for all this stuff somehow. <laughs> I can't just yeah, sit here. And, but yeah, I've realized that. And I understand that because a lot of parents can't make it work, but I, yeah. I do medical coding. So I have a little bit more flexibility, but I realized that a lot of parents would not be able to make this work because of if they had, like, if my husband was a single dad, he would not be able to make this work at all because his schedule, I mean, the times that I've gotten called from school or the therapies they need, it's like, he would not be able to make this work. Mm -hmm. If you have, you know, a normal job that you need to be there and don't have the flexibility, you cannot make this work. So in Minnesota on certain waivers, you can have paid parent where you get paid, you know, take care of your child. So that can help, you know, significantly, um, with some but I mean it's still just it's not you know right now we're battling to try to get a fence for my girls because they elope but I mean it's still a battle on that kind of stuff with waiver services to you know and it's like we just want to be able to go outside safely you know it's not like you're just trying to get the state to pay for your fence. It's like, there's no. a, there's a real reasonable need that there's we, need. we yeah. shouldn't be stuck in our house. Yeah. Mm. No, that's the stuff and people don't understand. When there's two with the exact same needs and they go opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a lot. <laughs> two little, two little wiry five-year-olds having <laughs> to chase all the time. Um, so does your brother, he's far enough away is he far enough away that he can't visit you guys are often or is, does he visit I just Usually wonder what his now, relationship is like with the girls if I mean, he... even when he was close he really likes to kind of keep to himself but like say that I were to just be like hey can you come over he would drop a hat and cup that's uh-huh. the thing about him he's so sweet like that um but most of the time I know he likes to just kind of be by himself and he's in his ways like Thanksgiving is coming up and he usually comes for all holidays or birthdays because you know I invite him and it's always at my house and I asked him I said hey I'm thinking of Thanksgiving would you rather prefer you know I'm asking people Thursday or Saturday would work out and he's like well Saturday would work better for me and I said oh what do you have going on Saturday and he said well I'm deep cleaning my house and I was like 
oh, well, you know, that really probably isn't like a set in stone thing that I think you can move that around. Yeah, I guess I could. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to really think this through. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I was thinking like you had something booked, you know, more, but yeah, that's where, you know, I got to, you know, with his autism that, you know, that was, you know, set in stone on the calendar, deep cleaning his apartment. Well, at least he cleans. I mean, you got to give him that. <laughs> he doesn't have like nothing in his apartment too. Like he, he wouldn't even let, you know, like we wanted him to have like a table and stuff. Nope. And he gives everything you give to him back to goodwill too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we, we would rather have that back instead of you giving that to goodwill. And he's like, well, it's gone now. <laughs> you should get him to give it back to you and then you guys just keep re-gifting it back to him like every, I know, yeah. every time <laughs> I just go back and forth I just was yeah. curious and they're probably too young at this point but it'd be interesting to see the kind of relationship he has with them because I would imagine as mature and independent as he is he's very childlike it sounds you know like and that's one of the things that I used to despise kind of, but I love about my son too, being 20, his favorite show is still Elmo's world. It probably always will be. So I just wonder when little kids are around an adult like that, who loves the same things, little kid things, if there's just a connection there that maybe we don't see or understand, but it's just a bond between them. Um, so. Yeah. So, so like my girls can't be like conversational yet. And right. I mean, they'll can, they're mostly like they have, they do a lot of echolasia where it's repeating what, you know, whatever you say. Yeah. Um, so, but um, my son or my brother really loves like Disney movies or Marvel movies and he's loved them ever since he's been a kid. So, I mean, he could repeat anything of those movies. And um, so he can actually hold a conversation a lot with even my son, who's 12 years old. And um but even now, my son, who's 12 years old, he's starting to get kind of almost like, you know, uh, Uncle Beaner, as we like to call him, that's his nickname. And he's like, you know, he's kind of different. Or what he said was like, his joke was kind of different. Like he's starting to understand that, you know, he's, and we've explained to my son, Griffin, that, you know, um, Beaner does have autism just like your sisters do and he's like oh but I'm like you know he doesn't have quite the same autism as um your sisters and so but when my son was younger he definitely would gravitate towards my son who is neurotypical and would play a lot with my son and yeah he would more gravitate towards little kids yeah. and play with them a lot yeah yeah, because adults are mean. They've proven to be mean yeah. to him. Gosh, poor Dwayne. Um, so um, you mentioned your son. So is he at 12? Is he kind of in that space now where he can kind of understand the spectrum is vast and that, you know, like you explained, your uncle is kind of on one end and your sisters right now are on a different level and um because we you just don't know where they're gonna end up they may do exactly yeah. like your brother have independent lives go to college do all the things right um, but how does he feel because I mean he's kind of like you know the only one not on the spectrum when it comes to these conversations yeah. so I think I think he sees my brother his uncle as different than his sisters like he just sees because like his is more high functioning. He sees him as different than his girls or his sisters. And he is so protective over his sisters. And he honestly is like, he is so much of a help to me oh, because with my husband being gone a lot, I mean, there's so many times where he is so protective. He, you know, he just doesn't skip a beat on stuff on, you know, when I, I mean, I don't even ask for help on stuff. And he is just right there helping, you know, when we were really in the thick of bad elopement. I mean, he was running across stuff to get them, you know, and they still will. But I mean, he was running right with me. And, you know, he was, you know, right there with my eyes and like, mom, you know, Greta's here, mom, Ganessa's here, you know, or <laughs> 
and yeah, it was like having a second me. And he, yeah, I just think of all the empathy he has for stuff like that. And I hope that, you know, it branches out beyond his sisters that he sees other neurodiverse or people with special needs outside of just our home and in the community. I hope he has the same empathy too, because, you know, I'm not always with him and I hope he can still see that and give that same empathy to those people too. Oh, I'm sure he absolutely will. And, you know, without even knowing it, you've modeled that for him and just your interactions with your brother. He's seen that since he was little right. and how you, you know, talk to your brother and just how you protect him too. And so I think it probably, he came by it naturally, I would imagine with his sisters, it's gotta be so comforting for you to have him there. So you can make dinner, you can whatever. And you know that somebody's got their eye on those little girls too. Yes. So I'm sure that's really helpful. Um, you know, because you have both experiences as a parent and as a sibling, um, is there anything that you would want people to understand? And maybe even it, it comes down to how you're raising your son. Um, obviously he's, he's empathetic and he's picking up on that stuff too. But I think one of the things we struggle with as parents is making sure that our neurotypical children feel just as valued and important and given as the same amount of attention, which we know isn't always possible because sometimes our kids on the spectrum take so much more energy and time from us than we have to give. So growing up in a home where your brother might've needed a little bit extra, you know, coaching on situations and things, and now having a son that's neurotypical, is there anything that your parents did that you would try to emulate with your son just so that he doesn't feel like it's his job to always look after his sisters and that he can kind of have a life of his own like you did. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, it is quite uh, unreal to like, think like my son is kind of living like the same life I did mm -hmm. essentially. Um, even though his sisters do have, you know, a lot more difficulties than my brother did. And I just hope that because like, I definitely, you know, I feel like I've grown up and seen, you know, and have a lot more empathy for people. Um, and I hope that he can have that same type of empathy as he grows up um, and can, you know, elude that in all his life. You know, that's what my hope is. And, you know, I like to think too that as seeing, you know, my brother and seeing my girls who are more severe, you know, it's interesting too to see that, you know, so many people are like that, oh, I wish that, you know, my child could talk or I wish, you know, my child, could, you know, on so many different ends of the spectrum. And I feel like, you know, I've seen, you know, kind of a little bit more of the different ends of the spectrum. And I'm like, you know, there, it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's like, there can be, you know, you, you take with both ends when you get both ends, because, you know, my brother struggled so much socially and still does where, you know, if my girls don't really gain much more and they still need a lot more help, they're not going to have that type of, you know, difficulties like my brother does mm -hmm. in life and later, you know, and, you know, probably in school or later in life that you know my my brother does where you know and it's so I mean there is give and take on those types of things where we wish and wish and wish for certain things with our neurodiverse children or family members but you know we get so much from each one in their different abilities too yeah, it's hard not to compare. And I think it, that oh, is I the one sad I, I part of social media. Yes. Like with my girls, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I wish, you know, because I, I do it too. But yet, yeah, I see it so many times with, yeah, my brother. And I'm like, oh, but look at how much he struggled with this. But yet, you know, yeah, it's so, it's so yeah. hard. No, I agree with you. I think that that is the hard part. I think that's what I was trying to get to earlier is that we 
want so many things for our kids. And the biggest one that I, that I hear and that I've even felt throughout the years is I just want him to be independent. I just want him to be able to do things for himself and not rely on us so much. Not because I don't want to do it, but because I'm sure he's, he's a grown adult now and I'm sure he's sick and tired of me showering him. And like, he probably wants to do it for himself. But on the flip side of that, I don't have to worry about him being at a job and getting picked on and and injured and teased like your brother is going through and not have a concept that people are being cruel to him. Like I can kind of keep him in my little bubble. Yeah. There's a benefit to that, I guess. I know. And that's how I feel about, yeah, I feel Mm -hmm. that about my girls. Like, I mean, I can protect them and they don't know yet, you know, and that's almost like what I want to feel like sometimes about my brother, like I want to rein him back in and be like, I want to protect you, you know, and stuff. But yeah, it's a hard medium to deal with. Yeah. Well, and hopefully you can still do that. Like by the ways that you have said, like just kind of peeking at his finances, just making sure things are good without being intrusive, you know, and, yeah. and second guessing <laughs> that he's able to do it on his own. And, um, you know, however that happens, but you can still kind of keep your pulse on <laughs> him and how he's doing. Um, so yeah, gosh, well, I, um, I have really enjoyed talking to you and it's just, again, like you've said, it's just so interesting that you have so many levels of experience and, and different ends of the spectrum and with relationships in your sibling life and now as a mom and all these other <laughs> things. So you've been through the gamut. So you probably could share a lot of advice to a lot of people too, if they, if they had any questions for you. Um, but I just appreciate your transparency and, and your time to share your family's story. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I hope that the girls continue to make strong improvements in their, you know, cognition and communication and physical abilities and that they'll run you ragged, literally (laughs) get that fence put in place. (laughs) Oh goodness. Well, take care. And um, again, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.